Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. I know the Bible said that we don't have anything that we can glory in except for the cross of Jesus Christ. The reason for that, if you're here this morning and you've been saved, is because the truth is, there's just nothing about us that's all that great. But the cross has made us righteous. Amen. Our righteousness, which was as filthy rags, uh, has now become His righteousness because of Calvary. Amen. I hope that if you're here this morning that you know you're saved. Amen. It is, uh, it's good to be saved. Amen. I'm going to say it again. It's good to be saved. And there's nothing better in life than knowing that you are saved. And I'm thankful uh, that I can know that heaven will be my home this morning. Proverbs chapter number 23. We'll be starting here in Proverbs chapter 23. Uh, this morning, of course, we are observing Mother's Day. And it is, uh, it is a blessing to honor the mothers that God has blessed us with. Amen? And this morning, uh, as, I, as I sort of was just kind of trying to get settled on what to preach and I thought maybe I would preach something sort of in line with that thought of Mother's Day, or maybe I wouldn't. You know, I was just kind of back and forth and asking the Lord for leadership. And uh, the Lord brought a specific verse to my mind uh, yesterday, actually. It was, it was yesterday afternoon the Lord brought a, a certain verse that I hadn't really considered uh, to my mind. And I spent some time looking at that yesterday and today. And uh, the Lord gave me a thought. I, I hope that it will be a help to you today. I really do. And it is in line with the idea of Mother's Day. Uh, and in Proverbs chapter number 23 and verse, we're going to look at verse number 22. We're given four uh, very good, very important, very strong verses. As, as you know, uh, I know it's, I've said it many times, I'm sure many of you already knew, the book of Proverbs often comes from the perspective of a father to his son, uh, because it is written mostly by Solomon, of course. But as you read through the book of Proverbs, you will at times find statements inserted about the relationship between a father and a mother and their children. And here in Proverbs chapter 23, we have an interjection of that. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 22, we have this verse. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Buy the truth, and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. That, of course, is an encouragement from uh, the author here in Proverbs 23, and from the Lord, that children should by truth, wisdom, instruction, and understanding that they gain from their parents specifically. Amen. The word, the, these verses go together hand in hand. And that good, godly parents will impart the wisdom, instruction, and understanding of the Word of God to their children. Amen. It is the responsibility of a parent to impart the things of God to their children. It is not the responsibility of someone else. It is the responsibility of a parent to do those things, and we're seeing that represented here in this passage. Verse number 24, The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Verse 25, Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. This morning, I, I want to deal with this thought, and we're going to go look at some other verses here in just a moment, but I want to deal with the thought, if the Lord will help me, of the mother of a wise son. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your many blessings, God, that you've bestowed upon us. Thank you, God, for this hour and this day in which you've given us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for every soul who's here. God, every member, every visitor, every father, mother, daughter, and son who is in the building. I pray today, God, that we would hear the Word of God. Lord, help us to observe thy Word. Help us to observe you. Help us to see the example that you've set forth for us. And help us, God, to grow thereby, Lord, as we honor 
those in our lives that you've given us as mothers for just as assuredly as you have given children to the parents here today, you have given to us, each one of us, our own mother, our own father. And today as we honor, Lord, that woman you place as the mother of our life, we pray, God, that you'd help us, Lord, to look to the Word of God. God, that we would give you glory first and to observe your ways. God, that we might gain wisdom and understanding and instruction. We love you. Bless this hour in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to move quickly this morning. In the Word of God, there are many different examples of the relationship between parents and their children. Specifically, uh, I know it being Mother's Day, uh, we can say that that is very clear throughout the Bible of, of examples of mothers and their children. Some of them are good examples to follow after. Some of them are not so great examples. Many of them you know by name. For example, we we could consider Hannah and Samuel and how that her motherhood was a motherhood of sacrifice. Amen. Uh, We could consider uh, Rachel and Jacob and Isaac and Esau, the dynamic between those two and their children. Uh, We could consider Samson and his parents. And there is a picture of a mother and a father who tried to lead their son the way that God wanted them to do it by the letter, and their son was just full of rebellion. Amen. Uh, and then we can look at some others that are maybe a little bit of a different situation, like Ruth and Naomi, a woman who was not her biological mother, but then Ruth, when they were leaving Moab, said, from now on, I'm your daughter, your name's my name, your people's my people. And there are many examples throughout the Bible of motherhood and what that really means. And we could look at each of those, I mean, we could spend a year looking at each of those and seeing those things that are good, a good, bright, and colorful, and clear example, and those things that are that are a negative, say, don't do this. This is a, a faulty example in the Bible. The Bible gives a very realistic viewpoint of parenthood. Amen. And I know that days like this, uh, it wasn't too long ago, I, I got a, a, an email, because if you are like me, you get a million emails. You know, and, and I got one the other day, I was like, I've never even heard of this. Why am I getting this email? But I got one from some, something I was subscribed to, and it gave me the option to opt out of Mother's Day emails. Anybody else see anything about that? Am I the only one? Well, the reason is because Mother's Day, Father's Day, days like that, they can be difficult for some people. Because they, they, they shine a light on very difficult times. Those who have lost a mother or lost a child. This, uh, just Wednesday, we were praying for the Breedlove family who lost their mother just a couple days ago, and, and they'll be having her funeral later this week. And so right next to Mother's Day, she went on to heaven to be with the Lord. And that, those, those days can bring up different types of feelings and different types of emotions. But I will say this, that those different types of feelings and those different types of emotions, it is good to reflect on the experiences we have in life in the light that God shines on them. Even I would say maybe even to a greater extent in our life, it is the difficult things of life where God speaks to us the loudest. Would you agree? That, you know, I mean, look at the picture of Jesus Christ. I mean, what speaks the loudest of Him is, of course, what we just got done singing about, and that's Calvary. That in life, whether these days might bring to, uh, to your mind moments of gladness or moments of joy, and they should, and hopefully they do, but if we're being realistic this morning, not everyone has a mother, a physical mother they can go to today. Not everyone has uh, maybe good experiences or good memories with their mother. Not everybody has the same experience. But I will tell you this. In the Word of God, we are given a, a very clear and a very realistic picture of motherhood. And the relationship between a child and their mother is very important. Would you all agree? The relationship of a child and their mother is important. It's very important. Whether that figure of a mother is the woman who gave birth to you or whether it is a sort of surrogate mother, like the example of Naomi and Ruth, or maybe an adoptive mother, or maybe a, a, a stepmother, or, or maybe just something like an aunt or a grandmother who was more instrumental in your raising than, than your biological mother. That There are all types of motherly figures in the world we live in today, and that is the reality that we live in. Amen. Some of that's because of circumstance. Some of that's because of, of just the way life goes. Some of that's because of difficult things. Whatever it may be, this morning... What I want you to take away as we look to the Word of God is this. If you are here and you are a mother or you are a grandmother or maybe you are an aunt or, or whatever that may be or just a close friend and you have influence over people who you would see as your children 
Or maybe just like I said, like almost like adoptive, whether you're actually adopted or whether it's like, you know, well, they're not really my grandma or they're not really my mom, but I've always seen them like that, right? Like a, like a loving aunt, like, for, like, brother, like Brother Joe and Link. We'll give an example there and Miss Linda, how, how they basically become surrogate grandparents to my children, right? And that Joe is Link's best friend. He calls me Joe all the time. And I love Brother Joe, but I don't like it when my son calls me Joe. I say, my name is not Joe. My name is not Pappy. Look at me. What's my name? Uh, and he'll, Daddy? You know, amen. But the truth is, God puts people in our lives for a reason. And God puts good women and good men in our lives to affect us for Him. Amen. And while not everyone's experience is the same, we can all glean from God's Word. Amen. So this morning, as I, and yesterday, the last couple of days, as I began to consider this thought, the, this, a specific person came to my mind. In a specific passage, we'll look at that toward the end of the message, but I want to move quickly through this next part. Turn with me, if you've got your Bible, to Luke chapter number 1. In Luke chapter number 1, we are introduced to a young woman who is going to become a mother unlike any other mother has ever been or will ever be. And that, of course, is the young woman by the name of Mary. And in Luke chapter number 1, in verse number 26... We are given the moment where she finds out that she is going to be a mother. Now, I remember the moment that my wife and I first saw a positive pregnancy test and we realized God was going to bless us with a child. And that was a big moment. And we had been planning for that and we wanted to have a child at that time and we were actively looking and planning and trying to make preparations. Of course, you can't really prepare, but we were trying. You know what I mean? It wasn't a shock to us when we found out that, that, that Brooke was pregnant. I imagine this was a bit of a shock for Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verse number 26, where it says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So uh, an angel appears to her. Well, that's got to be a shock, first of all. I mean, an angel coming from God to appear to you is a pretty momentous occasion. Wouldn't you agree? Young ladies, if an angel appeared in front of you in your room, would you be surprised? Uh, well, Chloe said no, but nothing surprises Chloe. Amen. Everybody else would be surprised. A glowing angelic figure is in your house. You say, okay, either I ate something very bad or God is trying to tell me something, right? And it became clear that it was God in verse number 27. It said, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So this is a young woman who has been a spouse to a man named Joseph, but we know from the Scripture they had not yet come together as husband and wife. She was still a virgin, yet to truly and fully be married to this man, Joseph. In verse 28, the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And I want to point out in that verse right there something that I want you to observe about Mary. She is a thinker. Oftentimes, throughout, and we'll see it over and over again, people will tell her things, and she will stop, and as I said here, she will cast it in her mind, and she will ponder these things in her heart, and she will hide these things in her heart, and she will think to herself. She is not a speaker first, she's a thinker first. That's a good thing. Amen. We should all learn that from Mary to think before we speak. Hallelujah. She cast her mind, she began to consider this, but she doesn't say anything. And then in verse number 30, the angel continues, he said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man, that she was still a virgin, had not been truly married and, and consummated in her husband Joseph in their marriage. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Okay. That's a pretty big deal. Now it's shocking to see an angel appear in your house. It's more shocking to have that angel tell you, you're, you are a virgin woman who has never been with a man, but you're about to have a baby. Oh, and that baby is going to be created by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, and His name will be Jesus, and He'll be called the Son of God. Okay, 
So what we have here, first of all, is we see an example of a very unusual mother. Can we agree? This is unusual. It's about as unusual as anything could possibly be. It is a once-in-the-lifetime-of-all-history event. It is the only time anyone had ever been born of a virgin, and it's the only time anyone ever will be truly born of a virgin. That it is, a, it is a, an immaculate conception that God Himself is going to have a begotten son, and this woman is going to bear His child. That is an unusual event. We see the strangeness of her motherhood in verse number 35, where he said that the power of the highest shall overshadow thee, and therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. This is a very strange thing. Now, you have to imagine this young woman, I mean, and by the way, she is a young woman. Uh, based on sort of historical evidence, we're not given an exact age of Mary, and so this is not a strong doctrinal statement, but I will tell you this, the average age of marriageable age for a young woman at that time, anywhere from the age of 12 or 13 to 15 or 16. Now, she could have been older than that, but it is equally as likely that she was a young girl, really. And in that time, a young woman at the age of 13, 14, 15 was marriageable in the culture of Israel. So if she is espoused to be married to a man, odds are she's not in her mid-20s. So she's a young woman. We're talking about a woman who is young, she is pure, and she is holy in the eyes of God. Amen. God's not going to choose an unholy vessel to bear His only begotten Son. Amen. And now she's being visited with an angel and told something absolutely crazy is about to happen. Now, I will say this. It is very likely that Mary had heard of something like this happening. Women in that culture were brought up and taught to believe and understand that one day the Messiah would come. Now, they did not exactly understand how He would come, but it was a dishonor for a woman not to bear a son. And many of that, much of that in, in Israeli culture was for the sake of bearing the Son of God, the, the one who would become the Messiah. Amen. And here she is, and she's being told, hey, God has favored you, and you're the one He's going to use to bring forth the Son of God. That's a strange thing, isn't it? That this prophecy that was prophesied all the way back in Genesis chapter number 3, verse 15, where God told Adam and Eve, He said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, speaking to the serpent, between thy seed and her seed, it shall, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That was speaking of the death of Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 3, that all the way back then, now Mary, this young woman, is seeing the fulfillment of that prophecy in her own house. It's pretty unusual. We see the strenuousness of her motherhood. In Matthew chapter number 1, you can turn there if you like with me quickly, Matthew chapter number 1 and verse number 18, in a parallel passage, we are given the response not only of Mary, but the one she was espoused to, Joseph. You say, well, it had to be a shock for Mary. Amen. I imagine it was quite a shock for Mary. But it was also a shock for Joseph. In chapter 1 of the book of Matthew, verse number 18, it said, Now the birth of Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now it does not say, in verse number 18, that Mary told him what was going on. We don't know that she does. Now I imagine when she began to show, because you cannot hide a pregnancy forever, amen, that suddenly the cat was out of the bag, as they say. Suddenly, uh-oh, and here's Joseph looking at this woman who he is supposed to marry, whether she told him or whether he just saw her showing and found out on his own and then confronted her, we don't know, but what we know is this, he found out she was with a child. Imagine the shock that this young woman you were about to marry is with child from someone else. And in his mind, he's assuming it's with another man, right? I mean, obviously, that's what every one of us in here would think. And if she said, well, wait, it's actually God's child, you'd say, yes, yeah, sure it is. But Joseph was a good man. And in verse number 19 it said, He, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. So he was going to separate from her, but he wasn't going to make a big show of it. He wasn't going to dishonor her before everybody and drag her through the streets. He was just going to quietly, silently go, put her away. Not marry this woman who's pregnant with someone else's child, but just do it nicely, right? Have a nice, amicable separation. And if we're all being honest... That's a pretty rational thought. They weren't married yet, so maybe it's time to jump ship before things get too late. Right? 
Verse number 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken to the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, we're considering the strenuousness of her motherhood. You have to imagine that put a little bit of a strain on their relationship. He went ahead and married her with this understanding that she must remain a virgin until this child is born. I mean, this is a just man. And God has has organized this situation, but it is a difficult spot for these two people to be placed into. A young woman, pregnant, never even been married yet. Now she's married. She is still a virgin, going to have a child. It's God's son. And here's this man wandering around with her. Do you think maybe people had any concerns? Any thoughts? Huh. What's going on? They left home and went and had this baby in a manger. I mean, things are going on, and it is a difficult situation. It is a strenuous moment. This is not necessarily the best way to start a family. Can we all agree? So, well, you know, not every pregnancy is planned. Amen. But not every pregnancy comes by the appearing of an angel in your bedroom either. And then God and the Holy Spirit giving you the Son of God in your womb. That's not how things work. This is an unusual parenthood. But I will say this. Thank God, and I'll just mention this quickly and we'll move on. Just This is for the men. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Thank God for a good, peaceable, God-fearing husband. Amen. Who not only was willing to support his godly wife and love her and sacrifice for her, but that he believed her. Amen. And that he was willing to put himself aside for God's will for her in that moment. Amen. Now, I understand the hierarchy of the family and that God's... I understand those things, but I want you to understand what I'm telling you right now. A good husband will love and sacrifice and support his godly wife. Amen. And if Mary had not had a good, supporting, loving, godly husband, who knows how this story could have turned out. But Joseph was a just man. God chose correctly. Amen. Amen. Let's see the sweetness of her motherhood. In verse number 28, it said this, when, back in our text there from Luke chapter 1, the angel told her, it said this, said, Thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And I'll say this, in spite of the fact that this is a very difficult situation, in spite of the fact that it is strenuous, just because something is strange and strenuous does not mean that it can't also be sweet. And I submit to you that the moment she held that child in her arms, all the difficulties and all the strangeness and all the strenuousness of it all had to have disappeared in that sweet moment where she looked down at a child who was not only a child that God had given her, but was a miraculous child. Amen. Are you all still with me this morning? Not every motherhood is the same. And while none other than this one have ever been quite like this one, there are many unconventional motherhoods. Some women have become mothers through adoption, some through necessity, some because of deaths or difficulties for little ones. Some have become secondhand mothers to those who don't, whose own biological moms maybe have failed to be there for them or failed to be what they needed. But regardless of the pathway to motherhood, let's all remember this very simple thing, ladies. It is a blessing to be called a mother. It is a blessing to have young children in your life that God has given you the watch care and the influence over. Amen. To be a woman who would stand and lead children is a blessed thing. Amen. It is a blessed thing. Is that not true? Amen. We see an, an unusual motherhood. Then we see an unprepared mother. As I said, she was a young woman. Didn't really. Uh, I can't imagine how unprepared she felt. And I can't imagine how unprepared she was because she was about to enter into not just this strange pregnancy, but a motherhood that was going to be different. And in Luke chapter number 2, Luke chapter 2 to verse number 15, we read how it said, It came to pass as the angels were gone away. This is after the child has been born. In Luke chapter 2, the shepherds have come. And in Luke chapter 2, verse number 15, they have now gone away. And as they've gone away, it said, uh, it said that, in verse 15, rather, let's read this. The angels gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem. See this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. 
They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Look at verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. You see that? Here she is again, taking what she is observing, taking what she is hearing. And as an unprepared mother, as these things begin to happen to her, she doesn't speak a lot. She doesn't voice her opinion a lot. She doesn't, uh, she doesn't go around telling everybody, hey, did you know that God told me I'm going to bear His Son? We only have the account of one, and that's with Elizabeth. Her meeting with Elizabeth and hearing these crazy things and all these things going on. And Elizabeth was a close friend who was also given a supernatural child because she was barren and was going to bear John the Baptist. But Mary's not going around publishing it. It's a good thing she wasn't too because there were some people who wanted the baby to be killed. Amen. So here she is, and she is taking all these things she's hearing, all these things she's seeing. She's given birth to this child, which she did not conceive with a man. She has the baby here. And then these shepherds show up and say, hey, we followed a star. Some angels appeared and told us about your child, that he's going to be the king of the whole world, right? And then they're, they're like, they're rejoicing. People are hearing people are wondering, and what she do? She sits there quietly. She keeps them. She ponders them in her heart. She's a thinker before she's a speaker. Luke chapter 2, verse number 33, down a little further, we read again, it says, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. So all these things they're hearing and they're saying, they're hearing these things for the first time. So many of these things, they're, they're hearing revelations that's given to other people by God, and they're receiving them. And in Luke chapter 2, verse number 51, it said he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. So the thing about Mary is this, she pondered him deeply. She thought deeply about this child that had been given to her. But then we see she also parented him differently. In Luke 2, verse number 41, let's read this quickly. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. So now the, every year since the child has been born, they go to the Jerusalem at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, so 12 years have passed since that moment in the manger, when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast, and when they had fulfilled the days... They returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. When they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Now, look right here. This is the first time we see Mary speaking to him directly. And she says to him, Son, why hast, thou dealt, how, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And, went down, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Let me say this. Considering the fact that she was an unprepared mother, she was unprepared for what it meant to give birth to a child at all at that age, I would say. And then she's unprepared what it meant to give birth to the Son of God, and everything she is hearing and learning about Him, she is considering in her heart, and as she is doing those things, she's not saying anything, but she is thinking deeply about what does all this mean? Amen? It's enough to have a child and then to consider what it means to raise a child. Anyone here this morning who's ever raised a child, it's a big deal. It's hard. They're not often what we thought they were going to be, for good and for ill. They're often unexpected in how they react, right? They're unexpected in how they do things. You potty train one, and everything goes well. You potty train the next one, and I mean, it's just a mess. Everything is never what you expect it to be quite. But imagine what she was going through. Oh, not only do you have a baby, but this baby is actually the Son of God. Imagine what went through her mind at night when she held him and watched him sleep. Imagine what went through her mind as she raised him and fed him and took care of him. Imagine what she thought. And now here she is. He's 12 years old. He disappears. A day's travel. They're rushing back to Jerusalem. They find him, and she grabs him, and she says, Son, why did you do this? We were in search of you. And he says, What do you mean? Why would you be looking for me, your 12-year-old son? Don't you know that, wish you not to be about my father's business? And they didn't understand at that time. It said that. They did not understand what he spoke to them. They didn't get it. 
but she kept all these sayings in her heart. She was an unprepared mother, but then as time goes on, we see she is going to become an understanding mother. Because here's the thing, being a mother isn't always what we thought it would be. Sometimes it is impossible to prepare ourselves for what we'll face. She was in unknown territory with a miraculous child, but as Jesus grew older, that did not get easier. A lot of times in motherhood, as they get older, you know, you learn more, you get better at it, and, and certain things get easier. For her, it was just going to get more and more difficult, more and more unsure, more and more unknown. And she had to learn to adapt to what this child was going to be. And she became an understanding mother in John chapter 2. Let's hurry. John chapter 2 and verse number 1. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And his mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Now this is a very interesting interaction between the Lord Jesus and his mother. And some look at it and see contention between the two of them. I'm not sure that there actually is contention, but I will say this. It is an, it is an odd dynamic, an odd uh, situation, an odd uh, moment between this mother and her son. They're here at this wedding at Cana. We see her motherly suggestion. Any of y'all received any in your lives any motherly suggestions? Any of y'all's moms ever said, well, I don't want to get in the way or I don't want to put my nose where it doesn't belong, but, right? Any of y'all ever heard that? Well, that's what we got right here. That's what we got. Where the mother of Jesus is there at the wedding. She looks around. They don't have what they need for the wedding. They don't have any wine, verse 3. When they wanted, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. She did not say, Jesus, can you go and get what they need? Jesus can you miraculously give them what they need? Jesus, I want you to do this. She just passively said, hmm, they have no one. It's one of those subtle motherly suggestions, right? And what she's doing is she's stepping over and she's saying, son, I think you need to do something about this. But she doesn't want to say, I want you to do something about this. So instead, she just kind of drops a little hint. Hmm, well, what do you know? Look at that. They don't have any, they don't have any wine. They don't, they, what are they going to do? They don't, they don't have what they need for the wedding. What are you going to do? She just, you know, hmm, what do you know? What do you know about that? Just a little motherly suggestion. But then here's the Lord Jesus, and he responds with what I would say is somewhat, it's not, I would have called it a mild statement. Let's call it a mild statement. He says this, woman, now some people look at that word woman and they think that's an attack. Because if I ever looked at my mama and called her a woman, it would have been an attack on me. Amen. I don't think that's what this is. That word woman here, it is, in this case, it is a word of respect. The, the word that is used there, it is a respectful term. But then he says this, woman, what have I to do with thee? Now that also sounds kind of harsh in our language, doesn't it? But when he's saying that, he's like, what do you want me to do? What, what am I supposed to do? What are you telling me right now? What are you doing telling me you're suggesting that I do something miraculous here? And here's what he said. My time, my hour is not yet come. And when he said that, you know what I see here? Probably a conversation that's been had before. Most likely... Mary has seen Jesus. Wouldn't you say that Mary has probably seen Jesus do things nobody else could do? Now, there was a time, and that's what he said when he said, my hour has not yet come. There was a time when Jesus was going to step out in his ministry, around 30 years old, and start performing miracles that God had appointed for him publicly. But wouldn't you reckon around home she had to have seen some things? Amen? Wouldn't you reckon she'd probably observe from some things? I mean, the, 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 the scribes and the Pharisees learned from him as a 12-year-old boy, so you know she's heard him say some things that baffled and boggled her mind, right? So why would she go to him and say, hmm, they have no want? Because she knows that he could do something about it. And so when she says that, he, he calls her out on it. Mom, I know what you're doing. Amen. And you can't be doing that. Mom... When it comes to this thing, what? My father's business. Isn't that what he told her when, she, when he was 12? What you, do you not know that I'm to be about my father's business? He says, Mom, when it comes to this thing, you can't, you can't do this for me. He's a grown man. Any of y'all's mamas ever tried to do something for you when you were a grown man? Or tell you what to do? Amen. 
My, mama, my mama's not afraid to drop a, hmm, they don't have any, you know. My mama's not afraid to give me a call and say, what do you think about this, son? And me go, oh, I, I see loud and clear, Mom, what you're trying to say. Because you know, what, you know what he was? He was her son. He was. He was her son. But he was also God's son. And when it came to what the work he had to do, that wasn't her work. Are you all listening to me? I know there are some out there who try to equate Mary with the Son of God, but they are not the same. And right here is a pretty solid proof for you. When Jesus is saying to her, what does this, ha- this doesn't have anything to do with you, Mom. He's not being disrespectful. He's not, being, he's not dishonoring His mother. That would be a sin. He's just saying, Mom, it's not, it's not my time. I have, to, I have to follow what God the Father wants me to do. Right? And what does she do? Does she get mad? Does she lash out? I'll say this. When she found Him at 12, she's probably shaking Him. What were you doing, Son! We thought you were gone. We've been looking for you. But now, she's learned. She's gone from that unprepared mother to now to being an understanding mother that she has learned how to deal with her son. Amen? That she cannot make him do everything she wants him to do and be everything she wants him to be exactly when she wants him to be that way. And when he says this to her, rather than be offended or blow up or get mad in verse number 5, she simply turns to the servants and she says, hey, whatever he tells you to do, you just follow his lead. He knows what needs to be done. Amen? His mild statement is followed by her meek submission. She submits to his leadership. That's weird, isn't it? That seems like a role reversal, doesn't it? Because this is an unusual situation. And it would be disingenuous this morning to imply that any earthly mother could truly understand what Mary's position was like as the mother of the one and only Christ. However, we must acknowledge that all children... With all children, parents will come to understand them better with time. Would you say that's true? And no two children are the same. Some, they don't listen well. Others, they, I mean, they're easy. You just tell them and they just do it, right? You, you tell them, what, don't do this, and they don't. Others, you tell them, don't do this, and they're going to do it, and then they're going to do it again, and then they're going to do it again, and then they're going to do it again. Amen. That's what's going to happen. Like my son taking a hammer to our remote controls. It's just going to happen. And you've got to learn to roll with it. You've got to learn to understand them. You've got to learn who they are and learn to react to who they are. Amen. I'm not talking about compromising. I'm talking about adapting. It is not to compromise and let your children do and say anything they want to do and say and be whatever they want to be. That's what the world says. That's too far this direction. And saying, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my hands and I'm going to force them into what, that's too far this direction. Instead, what you have to do is you've got to learn to balance it. You've got to learn to, to adapt to who they are to lead them to what God wants them to be. Amen. That's what it means to be mother. Finally, and this is where the Lord took my heart and we're closing. She's not only, she's an unusual mother, I'll say amen. She was a, an unprepared mother, and then she became an understanding mother. But then in John chapter number 19, we see that she is an unfailing mother. In John 19, verse number 16, the Bible says, Then delivered He Him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led Him away. And He bearing His cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha where they crucified Him, and two other with Him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. Skip down to verse number 25 for the sake of time this morning. Verse number 25 says, Now, now as He is hanging on the cross, now as after at the very beginning of the chapter, chapter 19, verse number 1 said, Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged Him. Now He has been scourged, and the Bible tells us that His visage was marred that he almost did not even seem like a man. And now he has been nailed to the cross of a criminal for crimes he did not commit. And in verse number 25, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, close by, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, Behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. 
And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. This unfailing mother is shown in, her, in that her faithfulness was on display. At this moment, all these disciples who have followed after Christ and He has taught them so much, Judas has now betrayed Him and is gone. Peter has denied Him three times and fled into the night. And the others are just nowhere to be seen except for John, who comes there by the cross of Jesus alongside Mary, Mary's sister, and Mary Magdalene. And there standing by the cross is Jesus mother. The one who gave birth to him in that stable in Bethlehem, who held him and saw as the shepherds appeared, who heard the voice of Gabriel, who watched him teaching the scribes and the Pharisees and saw him perform miracle after miracle and heard all his teachings is now watching as he is hanging on a cross for no crime he committed and dying. Her faithfulness is on display that there was nothing they could do that would keep her from being there for Him. Amen? I imagine there's no one on earth it was more difficult for to be there than her. Amen? It's difficult. Being a parent's difficult. Difficult situations arise. Sometimes it's because of choices our children make. Sometimes it's because of things completely outside of our control. But to be a mother is to stand by. Amen? It's to be faithful when no one else is. When no one else can be found, a godly mother will be standing by. When everyone else would turn their back, a godly mother will be on her knees praying for her child. Amen. That is what it means to be a godly mother, and that is what Mary was, who knew and had heard that Jesus said, I'm going to tear this tabernacle, is going to be torn down. And she also had heard the stories of his resurrection. But by the way, that does not take away the fact that she's watching her firstborn baby boy miserably dying, bloodied and beaten and hanging on a cross. I can't even imagine what that's like. Yet here she is. But then we see that Christ's final words for her are delivered. And He spoke to her back in when He was 12 years old, we saw. We saw Him speak to her there at the marriage at Cana. And now here He turns and He sees her looking on Him. And what does He say? Woman, pointing to the disciple whom Jesus loved, the young man John, the youngest of the disciples. Woman, behold thy son. I would note he again uses that word woman, which is the word he used before he gave her the instruction that she was going to have to submit to God at the wedding of Cana. And now here again, he's giving her the same instruction. You're going to have to submit to God. It was a word, that word woman, it was a, it was a recognizing of her standing as who she was, a woman. It was a recognizing of her separation from him. That now he was no longer going to be able to call her mother. Because their time as, as mother and child was coming to an end. It was a word of separation. It was a word of submission to God. Not just in that she was going to be going away from Him, that He was going to be taken away from her, but that now she was going to be for another young man, mother. Behold your son. He declared the relationship between Himself and her as woman and man. He declared the relationship between her and John as mother and son. Do you see that? What a loving, tender, and unbearably difficult thing to hear. I don't imagine that's what she wanted to hear. Do you? Did she care for John? Maybe. John was a close friend to her son. She probably cared for him. But she was not there for John. She was there for Jesus. The one she had born from her womb. The gift of God. She was there for him. And here's what he said. Take John. He's yours now. You're His mother now. And go. What a difficult thing for her to hear. That in her moment of greatest sorrow, and in His moment of greatest sorrow, He gives her away. Again, it's a role reversal. Parents are meant to give their children away to the man that would take their daughter as, as husband and wife, or the, the, the woman who would take their son 
right? That we would leave father and mother in Cleveland and their wives. That's, that's the way it's meant to be. But here we see the son giving his mother away to a new son. We see her fulfillment with John was determined as he said to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. It is believed that the reason we don't see a whole lot of ministry from the apostle and disciple John the Beloved for many years, you go read the book of Acts, you read about Peter, you read about different ones, you read about John Mark Barnabas, you read about uh, the apostle Paul and all these who are doing the work of God. But on John, things are pretty quiet. It is believed that that is because for the rest of Mary's life, John's ministry was caring for the mother of Jesus. That as Jesus was leaving this world, He left one very important task for His best friend. And that was to take care of the woman who had taken care of Him. Amen? Because the truth is, a, an unfailing, faithful mother will raise unfailing, faithful sons. Unfailing, faithful daughters. Not perfect. Jesus is perfect. But her faithfulness to Him caused Him in His final moments to want to return that faithfulness and to make sure that even though He would be there for her in spirit, He couldn't be there in flesh, that she was going to be okay. Amen? Again, it'd be dishonest to say that Mary must have felt absolutely contented with John as her new childly companion who would henceforth offer that filial, son-like love and care. But we must acknowledge today that mothers are often more flexible than anybody else. The phrase coined by mankind is this, that blood is thicker than water. Y'all have heard that, right? Implying that biological family will always supersede the connection between them and anybody else. But is that so true with mothers? How many women have taken up other children under their wing who are uncared and unloved for? How many women have taken others under their wing when maybe God did not allow them to have children of their own and they have become mother figures for others because there is something inside of a godly, virtuous woman that causes them to want to be there for those who are suffering. At, the, at the, the side of the cross of Jesus, of those who loved Him, there were four. Three of them were women. There is something about the compassion of a godly woman that even when they find themselves separated from their own children, that they take up the love of others. And you can see it in nature. <clears throat> I remember growing up, we would raise sheep and dad. We would sometimes have a, a ewe that would birth a stillborn lamb. And then you'd have a you over here that would die birthing another lamb. And literally, a shepherd would take the skin of the dead lamb and remove it and put that skin with that, uh, that wool on top of the baby lamb. And that new mother would come up and smell it and she would become the mother grafted to this brand new child because there's something in a mother, in a godly woman, that wants to care for those who are uncared for and unloved for. Amen. That is what it means to be a virtuous and godly woman. To care for those who are uncared for. To be there for those who are suffering. And I say this morning, thank God for those women who have been that for me in my life. You better thank God for the godly mothers that He's put in your life. So I didn't have a good godly mother. Amen. Well, are there any other women that God has brought in to fill that role for you? Amen. Every one of us, God has placed people in our lives to be that help that we need. And as Jesus was standing on the cross, you better imagine, yes, He was fulfilling the will of His Father, but He was suffering. And He looks over and He sees there is His faithful mother who would not leave His side until finally He released her and He spared her that final moment. It is true. No mother has ever endured more nor been given a greater honor nor given a greater challenge than to be the mother of the incarnate Son of God. But in so observing her challenges, her struggles, her blessings, let's acknowledge this together. Our text, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 24. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. Would you say Mary bore a wise child? 
that according to the word of God, she had joy. And she could rejoice. So if you're here this morning, to be a godly mother means things are not always simple. Things were never simple for Mary. But would you agree she was a godly mother? Things are not always easy. Things were not easy for her. She had to endure that greatest of difficulties to lose a child. But she could rejoice in spite of sorrow. Why? Because God had given her a wise son. God had given her a godly son, a godly daughter, a godly child. Amen. Not everybody has that blessing. This morning as I look around at the mothers in here, a lot of you do. If your children are saved, rejoice. There are a lot of mamas in here today who'd give anything to see their son or their daughter get saved. There's mothers across the nation, across the world, who'd give anything, who are on their knees praying. Amen. And guess what? Keep praying. Be faithful and stand by their side and be that light of goodness and be that light of wisdom and be that good, godly, virtuous mother because there is no proper substitute for a godly woman who will be a good, godly mother or mother figure for a son or a daughter. There's just no substitute. Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.